If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Romans chapter 8. And it seems like, you know, this time every year, it's hard to believe that another year has gone by. Um, it's just, it seems to just keep going by faster, faster, and faster. Uh, this year, the teens are ending, and Wednesday, we will begin the 20s. Uh, time just doesn't stop. And like we do at the end of every year, uh, we look back and evaluate what happened in the past year, and we're doing that with 2019. And as is done, it seems like every year, uh, there are all kinds of best of awards for 2019. Um, in all sorts of different realms, there are best of 2019, whether it's in the field of sports or film or television or journalism or gaming or tech or even the 2019 Best of Comedy Wildlife Photography Awards. There is such a thing. The best funny pictures of animals in nature in 2019. Um, I'm going to just share with you four of the nominees for the best of 2019 comedy wildlife photographs. Whether you like it or not, I'm sharing them with you. Okay? Uh, this first one is called Family Disagreement. Family Disagreement. I don't know which is the husband and which is the wife. I'm not going to get into that. Um, the next one is He's Right Behind Me, Isn't He? I don't want to know what happens next. Okay, the next one is for you hunters. Uh, deer? What deer? Deer? What deer? You see a deer in there? Um, and then the last one is my favorite is simply called That's Hilarious, Steve. <laughs> the 2019 Comedy Wildlife Photography Awards. Right there. Um, what if you were to pick the best personal God moments of 2019. You know, if you were to look back at 2019, what moments was God at work in you? What was God doing in your life in 2019? Our scripture reader this morning is Marie Cunningham. I'm going to ask Marie to go ahead and make her way up the podium. As she does, if you are able, please stand and face the center of the room. Uh, we read from the center of the room to remind us that Scripture is to be central in our lives. And we stand because we believe that this is the Word of God. And so, Marie, whenever you're ready, please read from Romans chapter 8. And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. Those he justified, he also glorified. What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with, these, along with him, graciously give us all these things? Marie, thank you very much. You may be seated. <laughs> uh, 
Um, this year, Shannon and I decided that rather than getting each other gifts, um, we would just buy a new TV for ourselves. Um, it's been a long time since we've gotten a new TV and we were really ready uh, for an update. And so at one point I found myself doing uh, researching for information on different televisions um, and I learned that there are over 100 different companies that make TVs. That's uh, actually kind of amazing. Um, I was able to find a website that would allow you to compare any two TVs, any two TV company brands, um, and any series of TVs along with each other side by side. It was really kind of cool. You pick any two TVs and you can compare them uh, to each other. Um, but when you immerse yourself in a project like this, uh, you discover things that you didn't necessarily intend to learn. Uh, I bumped into some advertising uh, mottos for some of the different television brands. Um, one television brand in particular, LG, I don't know how many of you have an LG TV, uh, they advertise that LG stands for life's good. Life's good. So you buy their TV and life's good. Uh, we ended up going with a TCL, which I'm pretty sure stands for Television Controls Life. Um, but going back to LG's motto, life's good, when we read the passage that we just heard from Romans chapter 8, um, we're kind of left with that kind of expectation. The Romans 8 LG expectation, life's good. We read Romans 8 and we read things like um, how in all things God works for our good, that if God is for us, who can be against us? And we have this expectation that life will be good. Was 2019 an LG year for you? When you look back at 2019, what kind of rating, like on a scale of 1 to 10, would you give it? Was it a good year, like an 8 or a 9? Or was it more of like a 2 or 3? Or maybe it was just an average year for you. Last week, Pastor John just mentioned that expectations, they shape our experience. And Romans 8 leads us to expect for life to be good. Faith in Jesus should lead to a good life, which tests our faith because life isn't always good. Faith in Jesus should lead us to a good life. That is our expectation. And when it's not, when life is not good, it causes us to question. We question whether our faith is good enough. Or we question if God is still with us or is God angry with us. And even in the Bible, we find these stories where life doesn't always seem very good for those who love God. One story in particular, a story that some of you uh, are familiar with, is the story of Joseph in the Old Testament. Joseph, he's the son of Jacob, the grandson of Isaac, the great-grandson of Abraham. Uh, you can read about uh, his story towards the end of Genesis, uh, chapters 37 to 45, cover the story of Joseph. I'm not going to retell the whole story of Joseph, but let me just give you some highlights. Um, Joseph is sold into slavery by his brothers. Uh, he's the second youngest of 12 brothers. Uh, he's the favorite of his father. 
And this favoritism caused his brothers to hate him. And so they sell him into slavery without their dad knowing. In fact, they tell their dad some wild animal killed him. Um, And Joseph winds up in an Egyptian household of a man named Potiphar. And he does pretty well in Potiphar's household. Um, and, but Potiphar's wife takes a liking to Joseph. Joseph refuses her advances. And so she falsely accuses Joseph of assaulting her. And so he's wrongfully accused um, by his boss's wife, which leads him to be thrown in jail. And then while in jail, th- some things happen and he's forgotten by the Pharaoh's cupbearer. And then things eventually turn around for Joseph, and through a series of events, he's eventually made second in command of all of Egypt, which in that day was the superpower of the world, and he's eventually reconciled with his brothers. Now, Joseph's entire family, including his elderly father, they all end up in Egypt. And then Joseph's father, Jacob, dies. And we pick up the story in Genesis chapter 50, after his dad, Jacob, dies, Um, And I just want to read a portion of that to you. When Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, what if Joseph holds a grudge against us and pays us back for all the wrongs we did to him? And so they sent word to Joseph saying, your father left these instructions before he died. This is what you are to say to Joseph. I ask you to forgive your brothers the sins and the wrongs they committed in treating you so badly. Now please forgive the sins of the servants of the God of your father. And when hearing, when their message came to him, Joseph wept. And his brothers then came and threw themselves down before him. We are your slaves, they said. But Joseph said to them, don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good, to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. So then, don't be afraid. I will provide for you and your children. And he reassured them and spoke kindly to them. Again, at this point, Joseph is second in command of all of Egypt. Egypt is a superpower of the world. Uh, Joseph basically could have done whatever he wanted. And so the brothers have reason to worry that even though Joseph seems forgiving, he might try to get revenge now that dad is gone. Um, I come from a family of six kids. I have five siblings. I am number five of six. Um, The oldest of us is six years older than me. The youngest of us is six years younger than me. So we're all fairly closely bunched up together, which means growing up, we fought a lot. Um, and, uh, and so when we fought, you know, we always did whatever we could do to try to get our way. And one tactic that we would use is we would quote mom and dad when they weren't around. I don't know if you ever practiced this, if you have siblings, but we would say things like, mom said you were supposed to listen to me, or dad said you had to take me along. Or mom and dad said you couldn't lock me outside the house in my underwear. Whatever it might be. Joseph's brothers simply do what all siblings do. They quote dad. Dad said, you're supposed to forgive us for treating you badly. You know, for being jealous of you and throwing you in a pit and selling you into slavery. You're supposed to forgive us, dad says. And in light of what we read in Romans 8 this morning... Joseph's response to the brothers 
is really insightful. You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good. You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good. Or if you look back in the passage of Romans 8 where it says, if God is for us, who can be against us? Sometimes God's blessings come through blessings. And Joseph had all sorts of blessings come his way. He was favored by his father Jacob, and even though he wasn't the oldest, he wasn't the firstborn of Jacob, he was treated like the firstborn. And God gave Joseph the ability to interpret dreams. Interpreting dreams gave Joseph the ability to tell what was going to happen in the future, which in the ancient world was a big deal and in our world would be a big deal. Um, Joseph had gifts and skills that caused his masters to be favorable to him. When he was sold to Potiphar, Potiphar saw that Joseph had success in everything he did. And so Potiphar put him in charge of his household. And then when Joseph was put in jail, Um, God granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. And the warden put him in charge of all the prisoners and all that was done in the prison. And when Pharaoh had dreams that no one could interpret, Joseph was brought before him. And he correctly interpreted Pharaoh's dreams and told Pharaoh what he should do, given what the future held, to prepare for a famine that was coming. And so Pharaoh put Joseph in charge of preparing for this famine and made him second in command of the whole country. In the midst of all the bad things that happened to Joseph, Joseph experienced all sorts of blessings. And I would guess that whatever bad happened to you this past year, you still experienced all kinds of blessings as well in the middle of them. How did God bless you? In 2019, sometimes God's blessings come through blessings. And sometimes God's blessings come through hardship. Joseph was favored by his father, which caused his brothers to be jealous. And Joseph had this gift of dreams, which when he shared them with his family, caused his brothers to hate him. And Joseph was trusted to check in on his brothers, which is how he ended up being sold into slavery. And then it was his rise in Potiphar's household that led him to being falsely accused and thrown in prison. There was a lot of hardship with Joseph's blessings. And yet Joseph says to his brothers, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good. God will allow bad things to happen to us in order to bring about good. God will allow us to be hurt in order to bring about good. God will allow us to experience pain in order to bring about good. And on one level, this isn't that strange. Parents, we make our kids do chores around the house and we discipline our kids and we allow them to experience failure. Our chores and discipline and failure, is that a pleasant experience for our kids? 
Or is that a painful experience for our kids? Teachers, you make your students do homework and you give them tests? Is homework and studying for tests, is that a pleasant experience for your students or a painful experience for your students? Coaches, you make your athletes go through conditioning. Is that a pleasant experience for your athletes or a painful one? All of us know what it is like to go through something painful in order to experience something good. It is actually an everyday occurrence. And God does the same thing. What is the essence of our faith? What is the foundation, the bedrock, the cornerstone of our faith? Well, it's Jesus rising from the dead, right? If Jesus doesn't rise from the dead, we have no faith. Jesus rising from the dead is the cornerstone of it. In order for Jesus to rise from the dead, he had to die. It's not that complicated. And was Jesus' death pleasant or painful? If the symbols of our faith are the cross and the empty tomb, if Jesus' death and resurrection are the foundation of our faith, why shouldn't we expect at least some of God's blessings to come through hardship? Why wouldn't we expect that? We cannot develop patience without being inconvenienced. It's not possible. We cannot be forgiving people unless we are wronged. We cannot experience compassion without experiencing tragedy. And we cannot know resurrection without knowing death. Sometimes God's blessings come through hardship. Now, as your pastor, I know the pain many of you have experienced, whether it was this year or previous years. And I have walked with some of you through some of those things. And I just want you to know, every time I hear that something bad, something negative, something painful happens to you, that, that it grieves me. Your pain and misfortune saddens me. I would never, ever, ever wish harm to come on any of you. Ever. If it was up to me, I would minimize your pain. But every time I see you go through something difficult, some kind of hardship, and I see your faith come through. For some of you, it's a little bit of a struggle. For some of you, you just keep pressing on. But regardless, your faith comes through. You do not know what that does to me. The amount of encouragement that gives me, what that does to my spirit, what it does to my heart. Your faith in the midst of your hardship is each and every time always amazing to me. Sometimes God's blessings come through hardship. And when God allows the bad and the hurt and the painful to happen, 
we will almost always ask why. Why did that have to happen? Why, why God? And there's nothing wrong with asking why. It's normal, it's natural to wonder why, to ask why. And sometimes, sometimes the why is revealed. As it says in Romans 8, we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him. And so sometimes we see the why. Joseph got to see the why, that all the good things that happened to him, all the bad things that happened to Joseph were to save his family and all sorts of other people from a famine that was coming. And God used all of his experience, especially the bad experiences, to bless Joseph's family. So sometimes we get to see the why. The hardest experience of my childhood was moving across the country from Wisconsin to Southern California. I was in junior high. That's not really an ideal time to be uprooted from where you grew up to move literally across the country. And I'm not going to go into all the details, but it was easily in my childhood the most painful experience. And if I could go back and change it, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I would allow it to happen. I don't see how I would have met Shannon if that wouldn't have happened. I don't see how I would have come to faith, how I would have become a pastor, how I would have ended up here at TFRC if that wouldn't have happened. There are so many character formation things that happened to me through that event that I don't see how else they would have happened. So if I could go back and change the most painful experience from my childhood, I wouldn't. Sometimes the why is revealed, and you can see the connection between your hardship and the blessing. But sometimes the why remains concealed. And no matter what you do, you don't know why what happened happened. There just aren't any answers. For me, it was my mother-in-law uh, Christie's death. In February of 2007, at the age of 53, she was diagnosed with cancer in, again in February, and she passed away in April. And Christie has missed a lot, mainly watching her grandkids grow up. And almost 13 years have passed, and we still don't know why that happened. And I've reserved myself to the fact that we won't ever know the blessing connected to the hardship. And when those kinds of things happen, it makes following Jesus harder. But the road to following God isn't understanding. The road to following God isn't understanding. Now look, faith is not checking your brain at the door. Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all of your mind. And so studying and reflecting and contemplating, it's all a part of faith. But if you have to understand everything there is to understand about the faith before you follow, you're never going to follow. It's just not going to happen. Knowledge, it's a key part of faith and following God, but you will never understand God completely. Look, God is infinite and eternal. We're not. The road to following God isn't understanding. 
The road to following God is trusting. Which a lot of times is a lot harder than understanding. The road to following God is trusting. And again, just going back to a parenting example. Let's assume that you had relatively good parents. I know not all of you did, but let's assume that most of you had relatively good parents. They weren't perfect parents, so they made mistakes. There were times when they were wrong in how they raised you. But given that, assuming that your parents were relatively good parents, they mainly had your best interests in mind, and they guided you to good paths. But in guiding you to good paths, there were times they led you to painful experiences where you didn't get to do what you wanted to do, or you had to do something you didn't want to do. And it was in those moments that you had to decide whether you were going to trust your parents or you were going to trust your understanding. And as you look back, you probably have learned that most of the time, Trusting your parents was the better course of action, whether you did or not. You look back, yeah, trust me, I should have gone with what my parents said. That was better than your own understanding. And we all know the general rule, right? When we're 15, 16, 17, our parents are kind of idiots, right? They just don't really know what they're doing. And when we're 23, 24, 25, it's amazing the wise sages they have become in those few years, how they've changed so much. Look, following God doesn't mean checking your brain at the door, but it does mean being humble enough to place your faith in God when your life has been turned upside down. The road to following God is trusting. For some of us, 2019 was a good year. For others of us, it was a really bad year. And for still others of us, you know, it was just another year. But regardless of which one of those three things you would put yourself in, the following is true. In all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? God was at work in your life in 2019, in both the good and the bad. And God will be at at work in your life in 2020. Whatever the upcoming year holds for us, we can trust that God is doing good things in us and through us. Please pray with me. And Lord, we do thank you for all of the blessings you have given us, the blessings that have come through blessings and the blessings that have come through hardship and Lord, I would ask that for those of us here who are in the middle of some deep pain and loss, that you would break into their lives and give them a real tangible sense of your comfort and love. And Lord, I would ask that you would give all of us the eyes to see how you are always um, for us 
and how you are always at work in us in everything that happens to us. And it's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. And may the Lord bless you and keep you. And may the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. And may the Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Amen.